Lord, we love you. We want you to come into our house tonight and invade our space, Lord. We want to know you and have a revelation greater than we've ever had before because, Lord, we realize that we're in a marathon right now. Lord, we're running our race for you. We want to run it the best that we possibly can. Lord, we just ask by the power of your Holy Spirit to get us in shape. Lord, get us in shape spiritually. To have discernment to know when fear is just creeping in. When sickness is creeping in. When the lie of the enemy is being sowed into our ears. Lord, let us be so sensitive to it that we know it, we hear it, and we stand up and we rebuke it in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray over everyone right now watching who's caught in a situation in a lie right now. They believed it. Fear is coming to their life. I just say to you, Lord, touch them right now. Hear me right now. God's not the author of fear. God's the author of faith. Turn your face towards Jesus right now and let him just begin to minister to you. Let the power of the Holy Spirit come and engulf your home and touch your life and heal you right now in Jesus' name. I speak healing right now. Whatever form of sickness has touched your body, whatever the enemy has said that this is your end, your demise, I rebuke that in Jesus' name and say, no, it's not. God's got a great plan for your life. A plan that has a, a big, giant, fruitful end to it. Whoo, Lord. I just declare it so right now in Jesus' name. We rebuke the lie. You rebuke the enemy in Jesus' name. Sickness, sickness and disease has no place in our lives. Lord, we stand in agreement with you that you walk into our rooms. The rooms of our life and the rooms of our heart. You heal us. Heal us of our crazy thinking, Lord. Heal us of our own fears and insecurities. Heal us of all those childhood problems we've had that we've dealt with forever. Lord, deliver us from them right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we will not stop. We love you and we're going to go on forever. We're going to bear fruit in our old age. We're going to be there fighting until the very last breath in our lungs, declaring the good news that Jesus is Lord. He is the Savior of this world. Lord, I praise you for it. I pray Christians right now around the world, Lord, their hearts rise up and yearn and hunger for you. They rise up, Lord God, in revival. They rise up, Lord God, and begin to tell their friends about Jesus. That he is the answer. He's the way. He's the life. He's the truth. That, Lord, where people have been hoodwinked, that those, those veils just fall off their eyes, the scales fall off their eyes. Just like when Ananias prayed for Paul, the scales fall off and they can see you truly, Jesus, for who you are. The loving, gracious God that you are. Lord, I pray just like when people get hungry for something. They get physically hungry for something. And they're going through the house trying to graze and see, what, is, what do I want? Do I want something salty? Do I want something sweet? What, what is going on? 
Lord, they get like that for you. They just begin to just be hungry for you and just start seeking out and reading the Bible and, and listening to, to, to messages and, and, and watching television programs, watching the Waterhole broadcast, telling their friends about it, Lord God, and that people just get hungry for you and, and it just, ah, it just stirs them, Lord. Because once they get hungry, then they're going to get hungry again and they're going to keep going and they're going to keep going and they're going to be more and more. So Lord, that hunger to rise in people's hearts. And Lord, I praise you for it. I thank you for it, Lord. So just thank him here, church. Just, just thank him in your heart and say, Lord, I just thank you for, for what you're doing in my life. That it's a good day. And it's a good thing to be with you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. I look at somebody and say, you know, it's good to serve the Lord. Woo! Yeah. Amen. Folks, listen to me. I want to tell you all something. Uh, doesn't make any difference how chaotic the world gets. I just want you to know, man, we are going forward. We're still rescuing children. We're still feeding people in Kenya. We're still going forth. Uh, I just sent a large uh, uh, transfer down to Guatemala this week. And uh, bless them, Lord. And uh, we're, we're getting the school through with down there. We're, we're putting up acoustic ceilings. We're getting all the, the center part of that whole big building uh, through with. It's going to be computer labs, science labs. We're going to be teaching all the kids everything. And I get so excited when I, when I begin to think about that because, man, you tell, we've got children that literally were not going to be alive. They would have been dead. We've got children that came out of the dumps. We've got children that horrible, abusive situations. But yet now they're going to get the finest of everything. Amen. And I can't wait to just buy some computers or something or just do something else once we get it through because we're just doing the construction. But I showed you all those pictures Sunday. We got, uh, you know, a lot of the interior done, getting all the wall, the windows and the doors and all the restrooms ready and all that. And then the kids are going to get to go in there. You know, we got like, I, I don't know the exact number. It's somewhere between 150 and 180 kids down there right now. And, and there's still children coming in. The... Uh, uh, man, you're good. That was quick, man. He's got there, stepped outside and said in the name of Jesus and got them all healed. <clears throat> Way to go, Patty. But anyway, um, huh? We have all the computers already bought? I want to buy some. Well, praise God. Really? You already got them all bought? That's awesome. So anyway, we just got to get the room in there. Get the desk clean, whatever. So anyway, it just excites me to think of these kids that did not stand a chance that then all of a sudden now they're going to get the best education they could possibly get. Man, that is exciting to me. So praise the Lord. Kenya's still going. We're still fighting for that. Y'all keep praying for the land over there. I'm not going to be stolen from if I had to go to uh, Kenya with a baseball bat. I will, bless God. But we're going to get that land uh, all done. You know, uh, you, you can't extort God. You cannot extort God. And so we're going to get that done. But they're still feeding thousands of people a day and uh, uh, saving them from, from just literally dying from no food. Amen? So all that's good. So I want to share something with you tonight. So get your Bibles out. And go, if you would, to the book of Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And so what I was talking about a while ago, I just want you to know I, I got my wife to order me a mask today. 
She had to talk me out of the one that had like the, that you ride like usually on a motorcycle with the skull face on it, the big teeth and the smile like, yeah, that's what I wanted. But she said, I couldn't do that one. Figured if I go in there and had to wear one, I might as well just look intimidating. So, you know, just walk around like that and say what it had to look like. But I got one. It's cool. Also works to ride for the Harley. So, you know, I mean. So anyway, Acts chapter three, let me share something with you. Tonight's message is called treasure. It says, now Peter and John, I'm reading verse one. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple about the hour to pray, the ninth hour, and a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes upon him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. That's real important. You notice there, expecting to receive something. Now, if you've ever been in any third world country, you know, there's beggars all over the street. And, you know, uh, well, I say that any third world country, you can go right down to San Antonio, there's beggars on the street. But anyway, uh, you know, it's, I don't know if they just get trained or whatever, but, you know, they're pretty sharp at at detecting who's going to give them something and who's not. And so, you know, if you you can't, they can't focus all their attention on just one person trying to get from him because they may miss somebody over here. So they don't spend much time begging to the one person because there's another one coming by in just a minute. And then, you know, so this guy's probably doing the same thing, right? He's sitting there and people are coming by. So Peter and John go by. He's asked alms for them, but he's already turned and going off. That's why they said, look at us. Because he'd already turned to the next person. In other words, he didn't, wouldn't figure he's going to get anything. But when he, when he said, look at us, then all of a sudden his expector was turned on. Right? He expected to receive some money from them because why else would they have said for him to look at us? So Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. They ain't got no money, but what I've got, what I do have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, you think about this miracle taking place. And you think about the Apostle Peter, you know, your, your mind is, is like, you know, like he's this stately, you know, like he's already got it all together. But you got to understand something. This, he just, baptism of the Holy Ghost just fell a few days ago. They still don't know what's going on, right? They have still just kind of freaked out from everybody having fire on their head and speaking in tongues. They don't really know what's going on. There's, there's no, he's not, he's just starting out his ministry, Really? You see what I'm saying? He, he doesn't have this vast knowledge of when you read First uh, and Second Peter, you know, that's 40 years later or something. You know what I'm saying? So he's just starting his ministry out. But and so I don't know if he, I, you know, so I'm having to just give you some Robert here tonight. All right. So I, I, I'm just take it or leave it. All right. Because I'm not I can't read it in the scriptures, but I'm just. Knowing people, it's almost like he's just trying it out, right? He doesn't really know what to do. He doesn't really have this giant revelation that the name of Jesus, all authority has got to bow to the name of Jesus, all healing power and virtue is ours in the name of Jesus. He doesn't really have all that down on the inside of him yet. But he knew what Jesus did. 
Are you following me? How would, he's like, how would Jesus have treated this beggar? What would Jesus do? Now, this is something that's interesting. If you go back up and you read the story, he says he was always daily at the gate called Beautiful. Then, so then Jesus had walked by this beggar before. Jesus had, because he would have gone in the temple the same way. We know he went into the temple. So the beggar was always there. So that means that beggar man, Jesus walked by and he didn't, he didn't get healed. Interesting. But Peter gets stirred up and he says, silver and gold I don't have. And, you know, we read that and say, silver and gold I don't have. But, you know, I mean, basically, I don't have any money. Right? I mean, if it's common language, I don't have any money. But what I do have. See, he knew something was different on the inside of him. He knew he had something to give, which was the power of God. He knew that he had something to give. I believe so many Christians today don't think they got anything to give. There's some Christians out there in life living in there, and I'm talking to, I'm talking, I'm not talking this church, I'm talking the world church, I'm talking everywhere. People believe, there's so many people believe, yeah, we're going to church and everything, they go in and they go out, but they're still waiting for the priest to do everything or the preacher to do everything or whatever. They don't believe that they have anything to give. They may know that they're saved, they may know that they are, if they die, they're going to go to heaven, they may end it like that. We got other churches that, Oh, man, they, you know, they believe they're full of the Holy Ghost and or they are full of the Holy Ghost and they, they can speak in tongues and they can do this. But then they don't really know what they're doing with it. I was reading today uh, the great old preacher, Charles Spurgeon, and I was just reading some of his biography and looking at this man because this guy was this guy did a lot. Spurgeon did a lot. And, you know, he's, you know, say around the 1850s, because he was born in 34 and died in 80, uh, 1889. So anyway, let's say the mid-1800s. He was, you know, man, moving and shaking. I mean, they, I, I read this today, that in just his book sales, okay, because he wrote like 150 books. So in just his book sales in that day, if you, if you took the same amount of money and what the... the because it was in London, and the, the pound would have been worth, you know, and, and you did it all, about $26 million in just book sales. But when he died, he left his wife 2,000 pounds. That was it. He'd spent every dollar on orphanages, building churches, ministries, all this. He'd just given so everything. That really blessed me just reading about the man's life. I mean, it's pretty remarkable of basically... Everything he did, when they went and started a church, he just paid for it and built it off all this book sales and stuff he was doing. Anyway, he tells a story, and you may have heard this story before, but he tells a story that when he was a pastor of the church there in London, he went to visit this lady. They told her about how bad she was and, and how bad off, and he went and she just lived in a little squalor of a house, and, and, and she was, he gets there, and she's malnourished, and, and she's older, and, and uh, she's in really bad shape. And so his heart's going out to her, and he's talking to her. And, and, and so she said, you know, she's telling him some stuff, and they're talking, you know. And uh, he looks up on the wall, and there's something on the wall, and he doesn't know what it is. And so he asked her what it was. And she said, well, uh, for uh, 40 years of my life, I served a, 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 an estate here and worked in their household and all. And when, when, uh, when they I retired, basically, they, the lady of the house, she gave me this piece of paper. And so the lady couldn't read. And so Spurgeon went up and he started looking at the piece of paper and he thought, is this what I think it is? And so he said, do you mind if I take it? Because she framed it. She just 
was appreciative that the, the lady of the house of the big manor and estate had given her this piece of paper. And so she framed it. And so then Spurgeon takes it. He goes, he finds out that it was basically a, a, a deed giving this woman a house and all of her sustenance and everything she needed for the rest of her life. Everything was taken care of, and it was all hers. But she had lived in a squalor for 10 years until her health had totally de- just diminished to nothing. And the paper hung on the wall that put her in a beautiful home, people to take care of her, everything she had, but she couldn't read. So she didn't know what it was. And I think to myself when I was reading that story, I thought, how many Christians in the world have got their Bible laying on their table or in a bookshelf somewhere or, you know, all the promises of God, all the yes and amens of God sitting right there, all the great (laughs) anything they would ever need is right there. Yet they don't turn to it. They don't look at it. They don't know it. It's just like they don't know how to read. I heard so many times as a pastor, people say, well, I tried to read the Bible once, but I just don't understand it. Well, Lord, I've read manuals before multiple times before I figured out how to understand it. Right? And it causes me to think about how many things in this world that we do that we just don't even really understand how they work or how they function, and, and, but we just use it. And people are trying to use Christianity like this, and we're in a serious place right now. The world is in chaos. And if ever the world needs to, to turn to Jesus is now. And it's not, the world's not going to just wake up one morning. God is not going to just, listen to me, God is not going to just, just yeah, okay, excuse me, Father, maybe I'm wrong. You can do whatever you want to. But throughout history, God is never just like something happens and then everybody just wakes up one morning and they're all just faithful saints. It all comes from preaching and declaring the word of God. My point is your neighbor's not going to be touched unless you say something to him. You can pray for him all you want to, but you may need to knock on the door and say, hey, listen, I just, you know, I understand things are going rough over here, but what is y'all's relationship with God like? But see, oh, that's such a touchy subject. What if we offend them? What if we do this? Well, we got to get past that. It got to be down on an assurance on the inside of us that we have a treasure on the inside of us. We have an answer for the world, and it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. (laughs) Here's the Bible. Here's the manual. Here's the instruction. Go get you one translation you can read and understand, and then bless God, you know, Going from there, but we've got to, the world's not going to get saved unless there's preachers. But then you got preachers fighting preachers, and you got everybody saying, Preach. I, I saw some articles today that said, and this one I thought was really funny. It was that they're saying that they need to really shut down churches. Churches have got to shut down because of the COVID. Got to shut down. Just got to shut down. And I thought, well, you can go to Target and go to Walmart. You can go to HEB. You can get around people. You can still, you know, contact the virus, but don't go to church. And I'm like, why is that so important? They're not saying anything else. Why are they just throwing that up there? Got to stop church, got to stop church. And they said, oh, these churches somewhere where there were, you know, the, 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 the people all attended those attended church services and then they came down with the virus. Where else were they? Did they all go to Walmart? Did they all go to Target? Did they all go to the grocery store? I mean, where else did they go? I mean, you just can't say they went to church and that's it. 
It's like one time a person told me, yeah, I probably shouldn't say this one, but a person told me one time that I ought to not ride a Harley because that in men over 50, that riding a motorcycle would cause you to have uh, prostate cancer. And I said, what? And they said, yeah, statistically proven, you know, they've tested men. And I was like, well, men over 50 are probably going to have a problem with the prostate anyway. So, and they just happened to own a motorcycle. I mean, that, well, let's just say, did they all have on white socks too? Maybe white socks are the cause. I mean, you've got to do some testing here correctly. You can't just blanket it out there. I mean, all men over 50 are looking for something so they go buy a motorcycle. So, come on. Hello? Back to the fact that people are idiots. And so they pay people to do tests and stuff like that to try to figure things out. I don't know how I got over here on this when I was talking about Peter and look at us. I don't know where I got off on all that. But anyway, point being, I don't know what the point is. I lost the point. Let's just find another one. (laughs) We lost that point. Let's move on to another one. No, but I mean, we do have a treasure on this side. The gospel is not going to get preached unless we preach it. That's the point. The gospel is not going to get preached. Revival is not going to come. We can pray for revival all day long, but until someone goes out and speaks something to their friend, to somebody else, and gets the word going, they're not going, the gospel is not going to get preached and revival is not going to come. Okay? Now, once revival starts and that momentum starts going, then you start to see things happening because people get expectation within their heart. The great preacher Charles Finney, when he was, he, but when he was in, the, in the Great Awakening in America uh, in the, the late 1800s, when he w- before he would get to a town because they, he sent a person ahead, this, two weeks ahead to pray. A person would rent a motel room, stay there in that town for two weeks and pray. And then when he would come into town and be riding in, people would know he was coming in, you know. He's coming in on the horse and buggy or whatever. And, and they said that the bars would begin to close down. Prostitutes would go out on the streets and begin to weep and cry. And people would begin to be convicted of their sin and be repentant. So then when he got to the meeting, man, it was ripe. And people just came flooding in and got saved and got their whole lives turned around, whatever, because it was already the ground was prepared. But they knew he was coming. It was like this man. They expected to receive something. They knew the great preacher was coming to town. Amen? So you may be the next great preacher. And I'm sure if you're the one that preaches to your neighbor and the neighbor gets saved, you are the great preacher. Because you have a treasure on the inside of you to share with somebody. Now, Peter goes on here, um, and he says, He took him by the right hand, he lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he left up, he stood, he walked, and he entered into the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, this guy said from his birth, he was lame. So this is a major miracle. This is a bone-popping, some kind of wild miracle that took place. And now the guy's walking and leaping, so he got muscle tone and everything. Now, I could say, oh, well, isn't that great? But I've seen this happen. Told the story before. I'll tell it again when I was in Romania. I saw it standing right there. That kid couldn't walk. They want us to pray for him. I didn't know what to say. I said, oh, Jesus. And that's all I said. I said, I didn't even say it like in a prayer of faith. I just said, Jesus, meaning, oh, God, what am I going to do? This kid can't walk. His legs were mush. They put that little kid down on the ground, took off running. And I was just going, 
But here's this guy. He's walking, leaping, he's praising God. And all the people saw him walking, praising God. They knew that he was a guy that had been begging at alms at the gate, beautiful, uh, at the beautiful gate at the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now jump down to verse 11. Now as a layman who was healed held on to Peter and John, and all the people ran together to them to the porch, which is called Solomon's Great, uh, Greatly Amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded. Now Peter's getting sharp. So he's like, oh, wait, we got a crowd. We've got a crowd. You know, so when I went to the Ukraine, the very first trip, you know, I, of course, had my hat on. And so I, I wore it all the way until I walked up on stage and then I took it off. And so the, the, that night, the, the, the religious guys told me they didn't think that was proper, that I should have taken my hat off while the service was going on before I got there. So I said, uh, I disagree with you, but I'll do what y'all want to. And they said, what do you mean you disagree with me? I said, you see how many people you had in service? I said, they were all looking at me. They all wanted to come see this guy. I was strange. I was a novelty. I was an odd thing over there. They never seen an American cowboy. They all wanted to come see me. So I said, I was, you know, I was standing there. God was using me to draw people in because they'd never seen it. So then I took my hat off the next service, and the crowd diminished. And then so they, because <laughs> I go, and they says, tonight, put, put your hat on. <laughs> so Peter sees this. Hey, I got a crowd. So what is he going to do? He said, what he looks so intently at us as though by our own power, godliness, we've made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, look, glorified his servant Jesus. In other words, Peter says that the reason why this man was healed didn't want, it wasn't, God wasn't trying to make Peter look good, wasn't trying to make John look good. He was trying to make Jesus look good. Right? Folks, it's all about Jesus. It's not about us, it's about Jesus. It's about getting the name of Jesus out to the people. It's going to do the job. I'm not worried about offending somebody when I know that I'm, I'm preaching Jesus. Now, if you're trying to work some kind of crazy church doctrine, well, then you're going to get yourself in trouble. But if you're just preaching Jesus, that he is the Savior of the world, and then he will come in and touch your heart and save your soul. If you confess your sins, he'll forgive you, and, and he'll uh, uh, you know, touch your life and change you forever. Well, then you're not going to get in trouble. Because what you're doing is you're bringing glory to Jesus. you got to always keep that in mind. You're not doing it for yourself. You're not doing it to promote this, that, or the other. You're doing it to bring Jesus glory. Amen? Okay, look at down at verse 16. And he says, and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong. So in other words, he's saying, look, I didn't do anything. It was that guy. That guy had faith in the name of Jesus. When I spoke the name of Jesus, he had faith in it. Boom, he got healed. All eyes off me. I didn't do anything but say Jesus. Well, I want to tell you tonight, you're the same way. When you go to speak in Jesus, when you go to telling your neighbors about Jesus, when you go to just, I mean, folks, we got to get the gospel simple. Tell people about Jesus. Then if they have faith and it connects with the name of Jesus, miracles are going to take place. Okay? Now look at this verse. Go to Matthew chapter 13. I want to show you something else. Matthew 13, 52. Matthew 13, 52. It says, Jesus is speaking. This is where he's telling all about, you know, the pearl of great price and the dragnet in the sea and the fish and gathering all them. This is that whole chapter 13. And down in verse 52, he makes his statement. He says, then he said to them, therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Now, if you look at the word scribe there, it doesn't mean a, a, in a, it's not a bad connotation. What it means is a, a Old Testament scholar, 
a teacher, a scribe. So he's saying this guy who studied the word has something to offer. And it's just like if you went to somebody's house and they're bringing out treasure. You have treasure to give people. You say, well, I don't know if i got any great... Folks, listen to me. Just telling somebody about Jesus and how you got saved is treasured to somebody that doesn't know it. See, the enemy, he knows he's got to keep you subdued. He's got to keep you quiet. He knows that he knows that he can't let you go out and preach. So he wants to get in your head and say, well, who are you to say anything? Well, folks, you may just be like the blind man that said, I don't know what's going on, but I was blind. Now I see. I don't know what's going on, but one day I was headed to hell and now I'm not. One day I was just going down this road. I didn't care about God. And all of a sudden, man, I, I, I love him now. And I don't know what that means. Bless the Lord. You need it to. Change my life. Change my family. Set us on the right course. It's good stuff. I can tell you that. You just delivered treasure to the person that didn't know anything. I learned a long time ago, there's no sense in trying to argue doctrine with people that want to argue doctrine. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to waste my time at that. I'm not going to waste my time sitting around messing with that stuff because the bottom line is they just want to argue. Right? It's like I got something to give you. It's a treasure. If you like it, take it. If you don't, okay. Don't worry about it. Now go to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. It says, for it, is, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What's he talking about? The treasure of a relationship with God, the treasure of the power of the Holy Spirit, the treasure of knowing Jesus, a treasure on the inside of you that you know Jesus and have a relationship with him. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us folks. It's not you. Quit trying to think that it's going to be you. It's got to be God. And all you are is his servant announcing his name, telling people how great he is, not how great you are. Because we're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things wrong. But you're telling them about how great he is. Look, then look what Paul says. We're hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. Oh, we're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. I mean, none of that sounds good, right? But folks, look at the, what it says. In every one of those, there's victory. We're hard-pressed, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, you know. We're not in despair, Persecuted, but not forsaken. Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, man, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. There's tribulation in this world. It's, no matter what, there's tribulation going on. There's going to be issues. There's going to be problems. There's going to be accidents. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be things we've got to deal with. There's going to be ugly people. There's going to be, there's going to be hard hearts. There's got to be you know, wicked, wicked intentions in men. It's there. We live in a fallen world. But the thing about it is if we get hold of ourselves and realize that we're the head and not the tail, that the excellency, and we have a treasure on the inside of us, and the excellency is the power of God on the inside of us, that we have something to offer, whether they want it or not. I used to feel so rejected when I would 
share the gospel with somebody. One time I shared the gospel with a dear friend of mine. Shared the gospel, just trying to tell him all about Jesus and everything about what he's done for me. And I was so excited because I knew this was going to be a great day. At the end of it, I knew he was going to pray with me. I knew he was going to get saved. At the end of it, he said, you know, his words to me was, Robert, you always were an opinionated little fart. After I preached the gospel to him for two hours, and I was just like, what? And I was just like, I can't hardly believe that you said that. You didn't receive this? You fool. But I want to tell you something. After that, I learned something. It's not my job to get everybody saved. It's not my job to get everybody healed. It's my job to pronounce and announce and declare to everybody about Jesus and that he is a God that'll save and he is a God that'll heal. That's my job is to preach it, not to do the work. I couldn't heal a gnat. Y'all hearing me tonight? So I just encourage you right now, listen to me. Every opportunity, every opportunity you have to preach the gospel, preach it. Every opportunity when you can tell somebody about Jesus, when you can tell, share your testimony, when you can just tell anybody how good God is, do it. Let God then plant the seed or whatever's going to take place and let him bring it all to pass. All right? You are the proclaimers. You are the one to make the declaration. And God's the one that's going to make the increase. And you have this great treasure. So do something with it. Amen? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. So I want to I ask you just to stand up. Everybody here, just stand up. I'm going to pray for all of you out there listening and watching, man. I'm glad you tuned in tonight. I'm going to pray over your offerings. I'm going to pray over your lives. And I just believe God's going to bless you. I want to pray over divine appointments for you this week. People come across your path that you can just share the love of God with. So, Father, right now, I just pray over every person. And, Lord, I just declare right now in Jesus' name that you do give us divine appointments this week to share the love of God with people. Lord, maybe some of those instances where something comes up that, you know, is, is causing us a hardship and we're really thinking about going the other direction, that that may be the opportunity we need to share the love of God. But, Lord, give us divine appointments this week. Because I know revival is not going to come to this world until people preach it. And so, Lord, I just pray that we see the treasure that we have. That even tonight we'd be very thankful people of the great treasure you've given us of life in Christ. And that, Lord, we can take that treasure, we can share that treasure with everyone around us. And, Lord, I praise you for that. Now, Lord, I thank you tonight for blessing people's finances. You are El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. You are Jehovah Jireh, the one who makes and supplies all of our needs. So, Lord, I pray for every person out there, every person that's hurting for finances, every person that's needing a job, every person that's going on, whatever they're being shut down in business, I just declare right now, Lord, you make a way where there seems to be no way. You bless them financially greater than they ever had. And, Lord, I just thank you for blessing them in such a way that they can see it. And, Lord, you're so good to us. And I praise you for that, Lord, that we're going to continue to rescue orphans around the world, going to continue to bless people around the world, and continue to preach the gospel around the world. And so, Lord, I thank you for it, and I praise you for it, Lord. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. 
Amen and amen. Well, you got your assignment for this week. Go find those people. Amen.